The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. I kind of just want to keep doing that. You know, we're going we're gonna to see in our passage today, too, just about that power of praising. Pretty pumped about that. And I got to say, well, I don't have to say, but setting all humility aside for a second, this is a really good sermon. I hope you guys are ready for this. It has nothing to do with me, and I hope I can get out of the way because this is something we really need. God's Word just so incredibly practical. I've been so excited this week because thinking about, I mean, it's 2021, we'll see how alive this passage is today as we look at it. You got to get excited. Now, I did want just to get your minds going for a second. I want you to think about, we'll call it the stupidest argument you ever had, okay? Uh, you know, the dumb where you walked away and you thought, why did I even argue? That was just so silly. Yeah, I was thinking through, um, I think this one at least makes my top five. Uh, I have a bunch of them, but, uh, but I think this gets in the top five. We were playing a, a pickup basketball game at church one night, and uh, one of the other pastors, I was supposed to guard him, and I wasn't doing very well. He was just tearing me up. Uh, he was scoring all the time, and my teammates were looking at me like, you want to play a little defense? You know, we might have a chance of winning occasionally if you would stop this guy. And uh, so I decided that what I was going to do is just be as obnoxious as I could as far as I picked him up. And, and some of you played some pickup basketball. This is kind of obnoxious for a pickup game. At half court, I just glued myself to him. And everywhere he went, I just made sure he would not get the ball no matter what. Just followed him around like crazy. You know, if you were in, you know, playing for the NCAA championship, you might do that. But in a pickup game, you don't do that. That's just kind of rude. Uh, and I was just all over him trying to, trying to guard him. And uh, got to the, uh, and it did stop him. But we got to the break, and we're out in the hallway getting a drink of water. And he said to me, you need to stop pushing me. And I said, I didn't push you. And he said, yeah, you need to stop pushing me. I said, that wasn't pushing. He said, that was pushing. I said, no, it wasn't pushing. So he shoved me, and he said, that's pushing. And I said, no, that's not pushing. This is pushing. Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, well, no, this is pushing. So the two pastors are out in the hallway throwing each other back and forth across. One of the teenage boys walks by and goes, boys will be boys. Uh, but, you know, I thought, great example. Neil Hampton, by the way. Uh, but Some of you know him. But we had a great little uh, argument there. And I thought, yeah, that was really, really just a good one. But I want you to stop and think about, think about this. How many arguments have you won? <laughs> Guys, never mind. Uh, we won't even get. We won't even go there. But if you think about that whole idea of actually winning an argument, okay, you had your case all set and you put it out there like that. All you probably did, probably, is make the other person more convinced that they're right. You know, they're still going to hold to their opinion. I don't know when there has ever been a. Uh, there may have been. I couldn't think of any in my life. You may come up with some, but where you had a good argument with somebody and you walked away and you thought, now they. Now they agree with me. I won that, baby. That was good. We, we take this verse. We're going to look, by the way, at Acts chapter 16. This isn't our text for the day. We're going we're to go through a big passage there. Well, we take this verse in Colossians sometimes. Let your speech, speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. And we think that this means I need to be ready to win every argument. Okay? Now, notice what this verse says. We are to be gracious in our speech, seasoned with salt. I mean, there's a kindness, there's a healing, there's a helping effect there. And we ought to know how to answer every person in a kind, gracious way. It doesn't necessarily mean that we need to know our case and present it for everything. It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, you ready for this? 
It doesn't mean we have to be this guy. Now, I have to ask this question. Anybody under 40, anybody under 40 know who that is? You know? All right. Wait, you're not. A, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, do, no, 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 no. Who, who is that? Perry Mason. All right. That, that's right. Perry Mason, famous. I think his TV show started somewhere in the late 50s and ran for about seven or eight years. The guy only lost four cases in like nine television seasons. Okay, uh, he was just amazing. He won all the time. We think we have to be the Perry Mason of Christianity. We have to win every argument. Now, I think it is wise to know why we believe what we believe. I think it is wise to study apologetics. I think this is a smart thing to do. But when the Bible talks about us being able to give an answer to people, it says for the hope that lies within us. In other words, for the fact that Jesus Christ is alive in our life. It doesn't mean we have to win every argument. And I think we're going to see that as we go through Acts chapter 16, the way Paul approach life. Not that we live in a world where there's a lot of arguments right now, but uh, let's just pretend like we do. We use our imagination and, and pretend like there's a lot of things that people could argue about. Now, here's a, here's a phrase that, uh, it, this, is, this is your money worth right here. Uh, I don't know what you paid to get in, but if you just state, take this statement away from this, as Paul goes through his ministry, and especially as we see it here in Acts chapter 16, I believe that he, he believed that if you inject Jesus Christ into the situation, social wills, I have no idea what I'm saying right now, social ills will be addressed, okay? Now, I want you to keep that in mind. The way that Paul approached everything, the way that Paul approached a messed up, mixed up world, which is what we're kind of looking at, is how to navigate this world. How did he approach it? By injecting Jesus Christ in the situation. So, we're going to take some time and read through, I think we're going to read like 30 verses, uh, but we're going to read the story of Paul's visit here, or Paul's starting of a church in a town called Philippi, from Acts chapter 16, I think this is verse number 11, we're starting with, it says, So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Just real quickly, I think Neapolis was like the coastal town. It uh, served as the port for Philippi, which is about 10 miles north. But it says Philippi, which is a leading city. And I want you to remember this. This is a big-time city. Okay? This is a metropolis. Uh, this is a big-time city of Macedonia and a, a Roman colony. And we remain there sometimes. So he comes into this big city. All right, and he's going to minister. I don't want you to think he's in a little out-of-the-way town. He's in a big city here, and let's see what happens when he's there. And on the Sabbath day, he went outside the gates to the riverside. Okay, now, I've got to see if we have any Bible scholars in here. When Paul went to a town to preach, he normally went to a certain place in each town. Anybody want to know where he went? Synagogue, that's right. Man, we have a lot of Bible scholars in here. Uh, but he went into the synagogue to preach. In Philippi, he did not go into the synagogue. Ask me why. Because there was no synagogue. Good reason. Uh, in fact, it says he went and sat down and spoke to, wait a minute, spoke to the, what's that? Women who had come. Now, why, that, why is that significant? Because the reason why there's no synagogue in Philippi, they had a law and it, that there would not be a synagogue built until there was at least 10 men. Okay? 10 men. Okay? It didn't matter if you had 375 women. If you only had nine men, you couldn't have a synagogue. 
I just kind of mentioned maybe as far as, you know, when you think, hey, there's gender discrimination. That kind of looks like it to me. Uh, they had to have enough men there uh, to, to have it. So the situation here is such that he says, well, I found that there's this prayer meeting outside of town, so I'm going to go out there. And one who heard was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She was a seller of purple goods. By the way, she had a very successful business uh, who was a worshiper of God. Now, she had not converted to the Jewish faith. She was not allowed to convert to the Jewish faith faith because you had to be circumcised to convert to the Jewish faith. And she could not do that. We won't go into detail there. Okay. Uh, and uh, anyway, she's a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. And here's what happened. The Lord opened her heart. Love that phrase. I need to pray that every Sunday morning. Lord, open their hearts. I can't do that. Lord, open their hearts. Get them ready to pay attention to what Paul said. Okay, so God opens up her heart. And after she was baptized, so she's, she's following the Lord, she's, she, she is baptized, uh, and her household as well, great to see, she urged us saying, hey, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us, so we went, and as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met, okay, I'm sorry, next door I move into, we, we, met, we met lady number one here, Lydia, okay, uh, Lydia is our first, we'll say a founding member of this new church here in Philippi, we, we had started with this lady, the seller of purple, purple, she is a believer. Okay, let's go on with the rest of his visit here. And while we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. Okay, I, I talked about social ills. A slave girl who had a spirit of divination. That word spirit there uh, has to do with it. It comes from a Greek word that actually means python because uh, they believed that the, like the snake gods or whatever would give them the spirit and they could tell the future. Uh, you know, they could, they could uh, you know, uh, let you know what is, what is going to happen. I was thinking about that. Did anybody win that Powerball yet? And if we could, no, never mind. We won't go into that. I just saw, you know, it's ultra millions of dollars right now. If we could get one of these ladies here, uh, we'll get her saved right afterwards. But first of all, she could tell us what the Powerball is going to be. That'd be, that'd be good. No, we won't, we won't go there. Okay, anyway, so she has the spirit of divination. Uh, they believed that she had like a God inside of her. Paul knew differently. Uh, he knew that there was a demon inside of her and, he, and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Okay, it'd be nice if the scripture says she made a good living out of this, but no. So look what we see here. This lady is a slave. We see her being exploited. We see human trafficking here. Uh, man, all these evil, social evils that, 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 uh, that Paul faces here at Philippi. And she followed Paul. And she's crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Wow. I guess she didn't know what was going on here. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, being greatly annoyed, turned and said, I am so sick of all this human trafficking. Stop it. He didn't, did he? Paul, being greatly annoyed, by the way, that word could be grieved. He was heartbroken at what was going on here. He turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when our owners saw this, their hope of gain was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men, hold it, let's, let's get back to what they're saying here for a second. Okay, so we met our second person here in the church. We met Lydia, okay? 
uh, as a seller of purple, and, she, and she's got, and now this lady, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about her trusting Christ, but the, the assumption is there very strong. The demon is out, uh, and she's going to uh, follow, follow Christ here like that. But uh, you see, what, what I want you to see in all this is the society was messed up. There was, again, I'm going to use the word social ills everywhere. And I want you to know this about Paul. You might think of like Peter as being kind of a, uh, uh, yeah, just love God. And yeah, I don't know, that was terrible. That was my worst Peter imitation ever. Uh, but, uh, but Peter was an old fisherman. And you might not, th- you know, good old boy. That's what I want to say, kind of good old boy. Like, hey, you know, we're just going to believe God, trust God. Paul was smart. There's no doubt about it. Paul was as educated as you gave back then. If Paul wanted to debate, if Paul wanted to make his case, he could have done it. But you know what he focused on every time? No matter what the situation, his message was the same. We're going to inject Jesus into the situation here. I am going to preach the gospel. Okay, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about that one who we sang about who paid the debt and washed away our sin. I'm going to tell them about that. That is my answer to the situation. Now, again, these guys don't have any money, so they're ticked at Paul. And these men, here's what they said, these men are Jews. That's not prejudice in our world at Philippi, is it? Uh, and they are disturbing our city. I think that might be a lie uh, in our situation here where they're lying about them. And they advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept that practice. They're Jews. We're Romans. You would never imagine leadership trying to divide people, would you? You would never imagine that being a social ill are you understanding I'm being sarcastic? Because you're looking at me like you don't end up listening to me right now. Uh, we, I mean, we see all these things in our society, all these ills, and they're saying, hey, man, if I can play them against them, if I can play them against them, look what will happen. The crowd joined in attacking them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a great way to get the crowd involved. Them versus us. What a great way to do that. That's exactly what they do here. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And we're going to see this was highly illegal. We're going to see what this is, is police brutality. Another social ill. I said to AJ this morning, I was going to preach against police brutality. And you know what he said to me? He's a cop, by the way. Uh, he says it does exist, and it does. But I want to go on record as saying in a vast majority of the situations, our law for officers try to protect and help us and dedicate their lives to that in a vast majority. I want to say that. But it's a social will. Okay? So beat it with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in the prison, ordering the jailer, jailer to keep them safely. So here's what he did. Having received that order, he put them in the inner prison. <laughs> yeah, we got a special place for you. Uh, and he fastened their feet in stocks. These stocks were spread out to make it incredibly un- uncomfortable. Sorry, I just interject a really stupid story here for a second. But uh, they said, I was reading about these stocks, because it kept their legs in a position, they said they would cramp up and they couldn't move their legs. I I just have to tell this story. I came off of a roller coaster at Cedar Point one time in tears. I rode the mean streak in the back, back before. Now they have steel all over it. But I rode the mean streak. You can't move in that thing. And I got halfway up the first hill, and my leg cramped. I got to, and I could not move. And the rest of the ride, I mean, I was like, Francis, like, are you all right? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hate to be a baby about it, but it hurt. Uh, and my you know, legs cramped. Sorry, I had to 
fit that story in there when I read about legs cramping up. But, but anyway, they put him in these stocks. They made him as uncomfortable as possible. And what was going on? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, this isn't the sermon of the day, but, uh, but, but I want you to remember, when we sing like we did here this morning, when we praise and lift God, by the way, that's all we want to do. You say you, you want to have music in your sermon to get them ready or in your service to get people ready to, to worship. I mean to, to listen to the message. No. You want to have music in there to make people happy or anything like that. No, here's why we sing. We want to praise him. Okay, that's why we do that. Okay? That's 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 it. Okay? It's it's not we're not we're not trying to put on the best show or anything like that. We want to what we want to do the best we can to help you worship God. That's it. That's what we're after. Okay, anyway, back to that story. When we do that. It is amazing, okay? Yeah, I've said this before, but this is worth repeating because I had this happen to me again this week. Whenever I get into a rut where I'm writing in my journal day after day and it's kind of picking up the little tone of God, life stinks. God, I hate this. God, I'm not enjoying this. I need to stop and take a day and just write praise to God. And it is amazing when I take my heart and turn it and lift him up and begin to praise him and exalt him. It is amazing how my spirit is lifted. Does it automatically change my circumstances? No, but my spirit is totally changed because I'm doing what Paul and Silas did in here. They're sitting in the prison and what are they doing? They're singing and praising God. I'm sorry, that, that's not the sermon of the day. So forget you heard that. No, don't forget you heard that. That was really good. Okay. Uh, okay. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew a sword, and he was about to kill himself. <laughs> guess that could be a social ill of the day, too. Uh, but uh, he thought, I'm going to get killed anyway for letting these guys go, so I might as well kill myself. And he figured that all the prisoners were gone. But Paul cried with a loud voice and says, no, 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 don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And the jailer uh, called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell before Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, We've got to do something about police brutality, and we've got to do something about this whole discrimination of women, and we've got to do something about all the social ills. We've got to solve every stinking problem and go after it, and we better do it now. Oh, I'm sorry, I misread that. Paul said... Sirs, what? I'm sorry. Paul said, here we go. Where, where is it? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved in your household. No matter what the problem, Paul had the same solution. We need the gospel of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Now, let's go ahead and finish up the chapter here. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. <laughs> here we go. We're going to preach Jesus. And to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed the wounds, and he, and he was baptized at, at once, and he and all his family. And then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced. By the way, you think this guy was going to beat Paul and put him in any more stocks? Seemed like somehow he, uh, Jesus got injected in the situation and things have changed. Instead of tying him up with stocks, we're having him in his house and having some food. Okay, it kind of must have changed. I don't know. Here's a revolutionary idea. Maybe it actually changed somebody from the inside out because they got a hold of Jesus. That's awesome, isn't it? Okay, I'm sorry. I, get, uh, I knew I was going to get too excited today. I, I'm really sorry, but um, I'm just, I've, I've been, I'll, t I'll tell you more later. Okay, okay. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, I'll let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have said they'll let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. And Paul said, eh, hold on a second. They've beaten us publicly, uncondemned, 
Everything they did was illegal. Can you imagine corrupt government? And when men, uh, men are Roman citizens and they have thrown us, we're, we're Roman citizens, they've thrown us into prison and they do, I'm sorry, they, they th- they've done this secretly. No, let them come themselves and take us out. And the police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Whoops. Uh, so they came and they apologized to them and they took them out and asked them again to leave the city. And so they went out of prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and then they departed. Okay. Now, I want to go back and talk about this church. There was one quick thought from the end there. Notice, I don't know how to say this. Notice what Paul did when his, when his rights were violated. Okay, he did not rebel, but he also held them into accountability. He said, in other words, he did stand. He said, no, I'm not leaving. You did this publicly. We're going we're gonna to make answer for that. We're going to do this right. Okay, again, it's not the sermon of the day. That's the second side sermon. The first side sermon is the whole praising God thing. Second side sermon is that one. Now we've got to get to the main, main idea of this whole thing. Okay, Paul is, is planning this church here in Philippi. Uh, we've got a few different folks. One of the things that I want us to notice that I think if we gave this church a name, we should call it the first church of the Motley Crew. And I want to change our, no, we're not going to do that. But, uh, but if we changed our name, we could be the Motley Crew of the Redeemed. Did you know, some of you might have heard this before, but did you know the Jewish men back at this time, one of the prayers that they prayed uh, when they'd start each day and, I mean, this is common knowledge. You can look this up. They would pray, God, I thank you that I am not a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. Do you hear what I said? They'd start their prayer by saying, dear God, I thank you that I am not a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. Hey, let's build a church. I got an idea. Let's get a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. Humba! Uh, those, are the, those are the folks he got out of Philippi. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Uh, that, that's, where, that's where he started this, this whole thing. And if we can just get a hold of this idea, idea. sorry, I'm like two pages behind my notes. I haven't even looked at them. Oh, hey, I should have said that. Okay, one of the things I do want you to remember about this, in chapter 1 of Philippi, chapter 1 and verse number 3, there's a phrase you may have heard before, if you're familiar with New Testament Scripture some. Uh, Paul writes to them and he says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. And you may have heard that verse because sometimes when people are like writing a little note, and they, to somebody, and they want to make it spiritual, they throw that verse in there. You know, I'm sorry, that sounded disrespectful. But uh, Philippians 1.3, I thank God. Because that's a cool thing to tell somebody. You know, you, you know, I could say to you, hey, I want to encourage you. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. That's awesome. What I want you to know is, I, I think, and I've thought this for a long time. This is totally opinion. I think the church of Philippi was Paul's favorite group. If you read the tone of that letter, and it has all, I've mentioned this before, Philippians has always been like a go-to book for me. Like, boy, I'm struggling a little bit. I need, I need something. It's four chapters. It's like, it just has a tone about it that is like, man, I love you guys. And you guys are great and rejoice in the Lord and, and uh, fall after. I just love the tone of, of and this, this is the church that started here. This is the church of the Motley Crew, the church of the redeemed of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm sorry, I, 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 no, I'm not sorry, but I get so excited about this. I think, man, this is awesome. This is the church that he started, this church of the redeemed, and, and how much we want to be that. And tell people, you know, if ever anybody says, oh, I don't really belong in church, tell them this. You ought to meet our pastor. He's a bigger mess than anybody. Okay? 
<laughs> he does, and you should. Uh, and that's exactly right. I am redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's my claim, man. That's all I'm saying. Got a woman, a Jew. I'm sorry, a woman, a Gentile, and a, and a slave. Let's start a church. I'm loving it. Okay, second idea that I wanted to, I hope jumps out of us as we look at this, is that Paul was a SJW, social justice warrior pastor. Okay? I mean, he was. Now, I mentioned this before. Paul could debate anybody on anything. But Paul wanted to solve the, the evils of the world. So Paul said, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he came back to that message over and over again. That's how he addressed the social ills of the day. Okay? Now, I, I, was, I was excited about this sermon actually since last week. Because I get, when I get like, you know, I read something, that is so awesome how that applies today. I get, I get real pumped. Uh, so I've been excited about this sermon for a while. But then, I think it was Wednesday night, I was looking at, at something else, a different sermon, and somehow somebody mentioned this fellow. I'm not a big NBA fan. Uh, so I had never heard of him. But they said, hey, you ought to hear the testimony of this guy. It was about something totally different. So I Googled this guy, and I looked it up. The guy's name is Jonathan Isaac. He plays for the Magic. I think he's 24 years old. And uh, so I Googled him, and one of the things that popped up, well, I'll show you here. This, I don't know if you can see that real well or not. He's standing there. This is last year. Uh, the NBA was not having fans in. They were all in a bubble. Some of you might remember this. They all, they all played like that. And uh, before every game, they played the national anthem. And I believe pretty much everybody knelt for the national anthem. You will notice that's Jonathan Isaac in the middle there. He decided not to. And, uh, and I read this interview. I would play this interview. It's about six minutes. It's really good if you, if you Google Jonathan Isaac stand. Uh, tell it, but that, that hurts our streaming. We, we can't really play things off of YouTube in, in here. But I wanted, you to, I wanted you to hear what he said because I, I heard it, and I thought, that guy's preaching my sermon. And he's a whole lot better than I am, but he's preaching my sermon. And it's, it's really good. I got, I got so excited about this because they asked him about why he decided not to kneel. And uh, with no superiority, you know, he didn't stand up and say, because, you know, these are stupid. Just with uh, what we talked about last week, a kind of a tender boldness. And you got to be bold. Uh, honestly, everybody else said kneel, and you got to be bold. But tenderly, he said, no, I, I'm not condemning what anybody's doing. I said, they're, they're making their decision. He said, but I do want to tell you why I made my decision. Okay, and here's what he said. I'm sorry, I love this. He said, I want to be about solutions. He said, not, he said, solutions to all this stuff that's going on in the world. I want to be about solutions. And he said, I know the only solution I've, I've found in my life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I found that that's the only thing that has, been a, that has fortified me, that has helped me to stand. I found that that's the only thing that I've watched transform my life and the lives of others. And I want to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to lift that up. I want, to pay I want us to pay attention to that. It has supported my life. It has changed my life and the life of others. I realize 
uh, when we realize that we're all made in the image of God, he said, when we look at ourselves in the mirror and we stop comparing our sins, he said, because when we compare our sins, it's, it's all then just about whose sins are most visible, and the other person assumes they have the high ground. Isn't that beautiful? That, that's exactly what happens in our world all the time. You know, my sin is not as bad as yours, so we, we jump onto the moral high ground like I'm better than somebody else. And then he went on and said this, there is only one who holds the moral high ground, and that is Jesus Christ. And I said, Jonathan, I love you. Actually, I was sitting beside my wife saying, I love this guy. Uh, and, uh, and only Jesus gets that moral high ground. The rest of us all fall short. And when I realize that I'm part of the problem, then I can work together and understand what this world needs is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now I want to have one more point here. Okay, and that is this. I want to just to think about this word here for a second. I'm going to give you a quick English lesson here. No extra charge for an English lesson. But uh, this word never had a plural for the first 500 years of its existence. They never said priorities because it didn't make any sense. Priority is, boom, first thing. You can't have more than one. This is the number one thing. Now, in the last 100 years, they've changed it, and we say priorities. But the word actually means one thing, one main idea. That is what I'm preaching today, okay? That is what I'm saying. There is one main idea that, we, that this world needs, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does the world still need bold political statements? Yes. Does the world still need uh, Michiana Family Center? Most definitely. Caring for foster kids, everything like that. Does the world still need your brother's ministry to rescue folks from uh, human trafficking? Most definitely. Does the world still need a food pantry? Yeah. Does the world still need a uh, closed closet? Yeah. The world still needs all those things, but I hope we can remember numero uno is right here. Okay? Because Jesus will, will work on social ills from the inside out. I want to show you one other picture, another John, not Jonathan uh, Isaac, but uh, a guy by the name of, I won't tell you his name yet. This is not a real update picture. It's kind of an old one. I don't think the camera was very good. I don't think they had a new iPhone yet. Uh, but uh, these folks in the background are slaves because this guy was a slave trader. Okay? But this slave trader by the name of John came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And at first he thought, well, you know, we need to improve the situations in the slave industry. And he tried to do that for a while. And then the more he grew in the Lord and everything else, he said, ah, nope, that's not where we're going. And he began to go against slavery. And he became a pastor. And uh, I don't know that he was a super famous pastor. But uh, he did a little songwriting on the side. And uh, he wrote this one song that you might, what, what, what's Adam's word? By bopping, banging, boo. Bumpin' song that you might find to be a good bumpin' song. So I thought uh, I'd invite the, the worship folks to come back up. We're going to sing, uh, or maybe, are you just doing it by yourself? Yeah, okay, sorry. I'm inviting Jeremy to come back up because we're going to, oh, no, Dave's going to help him here. Okay, we're going to go Acapulco here and stuff like that. You know that, uh, you know the song he wrote, do you? John Newton is his name. You might have heard of it. Yeah, he wrote this song. It's pretty Pretty good song. It's called Amazing Grace. And I thought, man, we're going to talk about John Newton. We have to close by singing Amazing Grace, don't you think? I, mean, I just thought we have to. Uh, we got to do it. Now, I do, we'll warn you when we're done. I do have one other thing, what we're going to do before we leave. But I thought, man, this is, I, do you understand my excitement? I, I read this and I think, hey, this is perfect. 
This is, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm not against you taking stands and getting involved in community and, and being part of a protest or anything like that for the cause that you're passionate about. I'm not against that, but we better come back to numero uno, the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that changes people from the inside out. We got to get it. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.